to Brain Noodles. This is episode nine, where we are going to be talking a little bit about how we find our tribe. I am Dr. Megan Connell, the host, co-founder of Geeks Like Us, GM of Clinical Role, a private practice person in Charlotte, North Carolina. And we are down a person today, but it's all right, because we're still persevering. We're doing our thing. I'm joined by two amazing geeky psychologists. I'll say, Dr. Sarah, introduce yourself. Okay. Hello. I'm Dr. Sarah Sawyer. I am the content manager for Take This. I am an advisor on the board of Geek Therapy Certification through Leyline and a streamer through Geeks Like Us. And in all of that spare time, I provide individual and family, etc. therapy services to the Seattle, Washington area. Very cool. And Dr. Kelly. My name is Dr. Kelly Dunlap. I too work for Take This as the program manager for their streaming team, the Ambassadors. I am also an adjunct professor at American University where I teach game design and currently teaching the psychology of video games. In addition to that, I uh, am now a full-time private practitioner at a local place here in Maryland and proudly getting to use the term geek therapist. Uh, it's on my business cards now, so legit, Woo! legit. <laughs> That's awesome. How's your psychology of gaming going? It's good. Um, There's this really weird tension between like how much do game design students want to know versus need to know versus care about. So like uh, the past two weeks we did the psychology of depression and then psychology of uh, anxiety or psychology. Oh my goodness. Um, We talked about anxiety in games and then depression in games. And this week we're talking about psychosis at all in games. Uh, Because I found anytime I've talked about like psychosis, the follow-up is like psycho, as in like a psychopath. So there's like psychosis, and I'm talking a little bit about, you know, depression and bipolar with psychotic features, and I'm talking a little bit about personality disorders, um, but all with the idea of like, they're not clinicians, none of them want to be clinicians, so like how much information is really important. So things like, guess what? If If a character has a hallucination, it doesn't automatically mean they have schizophrenia. Like, that's a, a false, what? I know, that's a false, false concordance there. Um, but do they need to know like the seven different types of delusions, you know, grandiosity and aromatic and things? I don't, I don't think they need to go that deep. And so like just trying to walk that line of what is useful and relevant and what is me just geeking out. I think that's so cool though, that you're creating a, uh, generation or a series of game developers who are actually going to have that understanding of what psychology is and what it actually looks like. And while and nothing's ever going to be 100% accurate to everybody's experience of something, to have some game designers who have a little bit better understanding than what they saw in Law, Law and Order as, um, you know, what schizophrenia is or what a delusion is, I think is really important. Yeah, there's nine of them. I hope those nine will go out and, and change the world. Um but yeah, I, I hope I hope they're getting as much out of it. And like, this is the last clinical focused one. Next week, we're going into like the research focus in terms of like um, aggression and addiction and, you know, basically arming them with this is what people are going to throw at you. And this is kind of the, what the research says. And then after uh, spring break, we'll go in and actually do like the neurosciencey bits, things like attention orientation and perception and uh, visual illusions, things like that, that you can actually apply through a design lens, but they're based in psychology and neuropsychology. So fingers crossed that it all goes according to plan, which it probably won't because nothing ever does. Um, but I'm going to roll with it like Olaf. 
It's all you can do. Yep. Rolling. I almost broke into song and I decided <laughs> to hold off because I realized I didn't know the words. I feel like that because be I did not like rolling on a thing. Okay. No. On the river? Is that what it is? I don't. I'll be honest, and it is it is a shame point for me because I'm about to go on a trip, which I will discuss when we discuss noodlings. But uh, I have not seen Frozen Two. Well, you don't have small children. No, but I still am a big Disney fan and or like animation fan. Like I just watched, I just watched um, all of like I caught up all of Steven Universe for clients. And myself, because let's be real. Also, starting a new um, Steven Universe TTRPG as a module of the client, which I'm stoked about. What? Yeah. Wait, tell me about this. Yeah. I need to hear say, say more yes. about that. Help <laughs> yeah. me understand. So I will be a good a good scientist and cite my source. Um, and I cannot take ownership because um, my client found this material. But um, there is a a. a free guidebook you can download called Faceted by Julia Scheffler and Dijon Dujour. And it is a, a full like RPG book. So it tells you what it is, how the stats work, how like what harm and conditions and like how fusions work and like what kind of moves fusions use, how they, how they bond, how they break apart. Um, character creation. I am going to be an aristocrat uh, Morganite, and it's going to be so great. I'm just so stoked about it. Um, and there's like the friend, the guard, the servant, the soldier, the technician, the terraformer, the fusion. So I mean, they're like pulling different gem types, and then um, you play through as a story group together, and there's a much larger focus on like for example, so human moves, pulling heartstrings, you know how to reach people, even those who don't like you. When you appeal to someone's feelings while trying to persuade someone to do something, roll plus facet instead of plus clarity. So there's like a whole emotional component to the game that I'm super jazzed about. That sounds amazing. Are you doing it with just one or is this like a group? Uh, so it's a, it's a family session because it's with the child. That's awesome. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. That's so cool. I, I, but so my geeky confession is I have not seen Steven universe. Like it's on my watch list, but the problem is the, I got Hulu through the Disney plus app, which it's the Hulu with freaking commercials. Oh no. Yeah, I've, been, it will be. I've been a yeah. cord cutter for five years now. Like having programming interrupted by commercials is just a deal breaker. I have to change our Disney plus subscription just to go back to Disney plus And then. Well, but also use your commercials as like self check-in breaks. <laughs> like, do you need water? Are you hungry? Should you stretch and stand up? Probably. <laughs> yeah. But I know the research on commercials and how exposure even to just 10 seconds of a commercial can change your attitudes about different products and things. And I don't want that. I, I don't want that in my life. <laughs> I understand. I mean, like as, as a generational check-in, my son doesn't really get commercials. Like he just doesn't understand what they are. Um, like we were, I was watching an episode of Too Cute, which of course is the show about puppies on Animal Planet. And I was streaming it. Um, and of course it cuts in with like literally every five minutes with three minutes of commercials, which is super annoying. And 
my little guy was like, well, mommy, where'd the puppies go? I'm like, well, we have to watch commercials and whatever. But why? And I'm like, exactly. But why? That's a very good question, young man. <laughs> so yeah, I, I think I have now been spoiled. It happened to me this morning too. I was, um, I ran out of podcasts, so I'm really glad we're recording. I ran out of podcasts to listen to, and I was like, well, I'll turn on the radio. I haven't done that in like months. I'll turn on the radio. Everything, I had an 8 a.m. client this morning, so it was it was early. Every station had like a shock jock. Wake up, Washington, D.C., guess what? I hate scooters. I'm like, what? And so I had to mute it, and I just drove in silence instead because I just couldn't take the like non-content-related I like I just want music or I just want to watch my show. I don't want your, your babble or your advertising. I can understand. I also, and this is slightly hypocritical in nature, context is everything. But uh, I only do the commercial thing with like shows that I'll watch where I'll mute the commercial or I'll have it on low and then I'll go and do something else. So I'm not sitting in front of it. But in the car, I won't even listen to regular NPR. I'll put the podcast version on because there's not as many commercials. Yep. <laughs> Suck it, capitalism. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and like this is the attitude we've gotten is like if we are paying for something, we shouldn't be getting commercials on top of that. Like yeah. it, it's one of those things of like I think NBC is talking about with their streaming service, it's going to be free, but it will have like about the same amount of commercials as watching TV. But then if you mm-hmm. pay, it gets rid of the commercials. And I mean, I would pay to have Twitter without ads. Like, it's yeah. so annoying. Don't say those words into the ether because then all of a sudden it's going to be advertisements about paying for no advertisements. Yes. Oh. Well, I mean, that's YouTube Red, right? We pay for YouTube Red so uh, we don't have YouTube ads. I do not. I do not. I just look away. Yep. Same. <laughs> or if a YouTube video has more than like a five second, I'm like, I can find this somewhere else. <laughs> so I'll close it and yep. find another one. Not there for it. I think this would mean we would all fail a marshmallow test. But since that's been widely debunked, I'm okay with that. I, I would pass it only because I hate marshmallows. See? Confounds <laughs> upon confounds, my friends. I, I'm really good at delaying gratification. Again, for me, it's just I don't I don't want the commercials, not because like I can't stand the interruption. It's I don't want to be advertised to. I actually don't mind commercials for events and things. So like learning about um art exhibit that's coming to my area or a concert or um, even like different shows that I might enjoy. I I actually don't really mind advertising like that, but it's the buy a car, buy a car, buy new clothes. Kids get these shiny new toys or else you will never be happy. (laughs) Oh yeah. I feel like we've done. Why can't you record commercials? You have such a good commercial voice. (laughs) (laughs) Listen now, brain noodles. (laughs) (laughs) Stimulates the neurons. We'll still hear action potential. Get it for five bucks. Give us five bucks and we'll stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> five bucks and no interruptions. Speaking of that, let's have an interruption and go to one of our advertisements <laughs> for our content. <laughs> do, 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 do. <laughs> do you like Dungeons and Dragons streams? Who doesn't? Come check out Geeks Like Us Clinical Role, Mondays from 9 to 12 EST. Whilst his Dr. Megan, Canel takes her psychologist friends through the Underdark into pirates? Oh, I want to be a pirate. Oh, get my sword. 
Anyway, clinical role Mondays, nine to midnight, on the Geeks Like Us Twitch channel. <laughs> we're back, and we're going to talk about this now because we're going to talk about our main topic. But we're going to talk about. So wait, Kelly, how does this work? You've just said that you don't like surprises, but you also don't like spoilers. Yeah, there's there's an in between. Like I, when I think of surprise, I mean think of like surprise, you know, like unexpected. I don't I don't like that. I like to have yeah, a surprise party. Yeah, like I don't. Mm, that's not my thing. I don't. <laughs> I like the unexpected. I like excitement, uh, but like Christmas presents, when we talked about that on our Christmas episode, like I want to be able to use the scientific method to deduce what is in each present, because that's the fun part. Not like, I don't know what it is. Well, let me find out. But I don't want someone to spoil it for me. I think I, I want to unearth the mysteries of the universe in my own time. So you want to feel clever. Yes. I like how you said feel clever and not be clever. So yes, I want to feel clever. I mean, being clever would be great, but I'll, I'll settle for feel clever. <laughs> That's important too. I love surprises and I'm okay with spoilers though. I prefer not to have them. Yeah, I, I don't like being spoiled on most things. Some stuff I don't mind. Like I got to a point with Game of Thrones where I was like, I'm not going to watch this show for real. So just tell me what happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then at that point, it's not a spoiler. It's like just a fact-finding mission. Yeah, yes. that's true. <laughs> Most I clients who regularly spoil things for me, though. It's a hazard of the job. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I've come to accept it. I like yeah. how we're all just going, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. that, that happens. It's a thing. <laughs> or therapy things. <laughs> it's sort of funny because some of my, a few clients I have do like ask for like video game plots and stuff. They're like, oh, I don't want to spoil this for you. I'm like... It's been out for 10 years and I'm still not past the tutorial. I think it's, I've done it to myself at this point. Yep. Just, just put it on out there. It's fine. Just, it's okay. <laughs> Anywho, to our main topic of today. So we are going to talk a little bit about the idea of the importance of finding your tribe and finding your people and finding the place where you fit in. Um, and the preparation for this episode, I did a little bit of research on how lonely people are feeling and there's this i think perception that we have and um thinking back to graduate school i think it was actually something that i was taught in graduate school which is uh geriatric population so 65 and older tends to be the loneliest people um i'm seeing nods that yeah. resonating yeah. with what you were taught to mm -hmm. um but now we're seeing the newer research is showing the exact opposite that's younger people um young adults specifically not young adult teenagers, but early 20s are scoring higher on measures of loneliness than older people. And it's actually gets, you get less lonely now as you get older. So I don't know, I think that's a little interesting. I want to hear your thoughts on if you think this data is accurate or what's going on there. I mean, I can speak to the, at least the, the millennials and the Zenelli, Zenelli, Zennials, there we go, Zennials, um, and, and the Gen Z. I think a lot of it, um, it it's interesting because I think that's why you're seeing such a big uptick in things like D&D &D and stuff that takes place like in person, you know, escape rooms and uh, events that actually bring people together is because it's so easy to communicate, but it's not easy to connect. And there is something really special about being in the same place as someone, which we don't really get as much. Either, you know, part of that is because you can make friends over the entire world. Like I've got friends in like 
states that I never really get to actually like see them. Um, and that can make you feel kind of isolated and alone because you can talk, but you know, maybe an hour of the day, as opposed to having like a daily hangout after school. That's the other part is that a lot of that age group have just either finished college or aging out of that kind of college mentality. And it's so much harder when people have lives that they have to juggle, as opposed to, I think we talked about this last time too, the, the bane of adulting is trying to plan and schedule and find time where everybody has availability and it's so hard. And then I guess the, the last bit is, what was the last bit? I had a last bit and I had three things in my head and now I only have two. So we're just going to go with two that people are lonely because it's hard to find time and because it's so easy to just like do check-ins. Um, but that doesn't quite get the same oomph across why old people in, are feeling less lonely. I'm not sure I got that one yet, but I'm going to, I'm going to think on it. I have a hypothesis. Ooh, ooh, yes. I actually, this comes up a lot in therapy with my clients as well of, um, adulting is in modern day, a very lonely practice versus in former days where like society's socializing has shifted kind of like what you're describing where there's this movement towards like communal play and communal gathering. It, it's kind of in flux between the ways we connect otherwise. And so I think in days past, people used to value more deeply face-to-face -face connections. There was less technological access. And so people were forced to kind of engage in that way if they wanted to engage. And so that was the way of doing things. Just like older folks are more likely to call than text. That's kind of along the same vein that I think about. Um, and so now it's like, I have people coming in asking like, how am I supposed to make friends anymore? And like, it sucks. And I'll validate with them that not everybody finds their friends in high school and carries them forth for the rest of their lives. I mean, I reflect about our, our experiences, our group and our connections among our colleagues. And like, I, I, wasn't in my 20s when I met all of you. So that that says something, right? Like we're all connecting. And even so, our group connecting was kind of a flux situation. It wasn't some like expected thing. Everybody w happened to be going to these events and working together on different projects and aligning like the stars. So it's like, how do how do we teach people how to connect? when it's so sparse anymore. Like, I, it's hard. It's really hard. And I think one of the things that is a challenge is the idea that there's not a shared, for lack of a better term, mythology in our culture anymore. Um, so I'm gonna completely age myself. And uh, it, like, when I was in college, that was sort of at the height of Friends and friends being a big thing. And like everybody that I worked with watched friends, everybody I knew watched friends. And so if you were having a moment, you could quote an episode from friends and people would understand the inferred meaning of what you were talking about. And it's like, it gave you that other shared language, that shared connection. And there's so much amazing programming and amazing content out there. Like I, I love it, but also it's, not divisive, but it de definitely makes it a little bit harder to understand like 
you sit down with a stranger, what are you going to talk about? And I think that's where the geek culture stuff really comes in is because it's niche enough that you can connect with someone over it, but it doesn't have to be like, I mean, there are super, super niche ones, uh, but like gaming, if you know somebody likes video games, there's at least some common denominator there. Um, and to me, that's, that's more narrow than say television shows because there's so many television shows and there's a long history of television shows and, you know, games. I think are particularly interesting because most of them you can play the same game but have different experiences. And so there's stuff to talk about and to compare and to discuss and strategies and like unexpected stuff that can come from that. Whereas everybody, you know, watches friends. And I mean, I would say most people probably laugh at the same parts and remember the same like iconic moments. And obviously there's going to be differences in perception, but I would guess for the most part, it's a pretty, uh, you know, a singular experience. So that, that might be, um, part of it too. I also think that there's a real issue with um, overwork. Like there's some really interesting stats out there about like how many hours a week someone in say the fifties would work. They would work like a, a, a traditional middle-class person. The male figure would work like a nine to five, nine to six. Mom would be home all day. Um, and like, I'm not saying that I'm not, I'm definitely not idealizing that because that would be awful. And I would not like that life. But like one parent working 40 hours a week was enough typically for an, an average middle-class family. Now, not only do you typically have to have both parents working just to survive and make rent, you tip it if, if you have, happen to have children. Um, we're taught to like commodify our hobbies. And so that's the idea that the side hustle and, you know, the extracurricular income projects that I know we all have and that those are things like if you are sitting down relaxing, you, there's something wrong with you. There's something bad. Why aren't you being productive? Why aren't you doing this thing? And it feels like that's more intense now than it's ever been. Uh, of course, I only have, you know, three decades of research uh, on my own self to, to compare to, but there is, there is the sense that, you know, we've gotten more pastimes and hobbies and we have more leisure time now technically than we did say like when everybody was working in the factories or had to work from dawn till dusk on the farm but we're not using that time to actually relax because there's pressure to perform there's pressure to produce even things that are supposed to be our pastimes i kelly you were just channeling my inner voice there whenever like i sit down at the couch or whatever it's like you could be writing you know, you could, you should go for a walk. Like you've said health is important. So why aren't you going and walking right now? Oh, and while you're walking, walking, uh, why don't you listen to that audiobook you just got on parenting and development of the adolescent brain? It's like, oh God. Yeah, you, you, we can't just, we can't just be, it feels like, or rather we can, but it's not something that's reinforced or something that we're supported with as we sit here on our off time doing a podcast creation. For other people Which, to enjoy. In part was started so that we all could be better friends and actually have this connection time to talk and hang out with yep. each other because we all understand our brains. If we don't see this as something that is super productive, we're not going to make time for it. If it's not in the planner, it doesn't happen. I'm channeling Rachel now. <laughs> yes. I think also that regular appointments or regular like regularly scheduled events be they virtual or real help create a better sense of community for people because I know for myself like 
I know my body knows at this point that the podcast happens at this time every day on Tuesdays by and large. And when we don't, my, but I wasn't last week that I texted you guys. I was like, Oh my gosh, are we recording? And you're like, no, <laughs> it's one of those, like it, it helps you create a sense of like routine friendship time. Um, it's a play space. And so like working as a therapist is an incredibly lonely job in private practice, depending on where you work. Like I work in an office in a, contracted space and office building. So there's all kinds of people around me that are not therapists and are not available for random open door consults. So I just sit in my office all day, like a kid in their room and it's lonely, but having this time helps. We can schedule consultation time. (laughs) (laughs) We will do that. That's what we are going to do on the off weeks now. (laughs) Yes. Clinical consultation. Consults. Tuesdays are always a thing. What have you been playing lately? Um, so what have I been playing lately? I feel like there's so much. Um, so I finished, I finished Celeste. Um, <laughs> the nice. thing was that I, um, in order to get through it, I had to turn on all of the assists, including mm-hmm. invincibility mode, just so I could get through it. So I could talk oh. about it for class. So I've been oh, no. I mean, like, that's a plat. I'm, I'm a terrible platformer, no matter what, like, it doesn't matter. Um, mm-hmm. I would have had to put this on anyway. And I, I have no shame about that. But yeah, I was like, okay, I need to put this on invincibility mode just so I can get to the end, just so my class can play specific parts of it. And I'm doing the same thing right now with Hellblade because tomorrow it's again, psychosis week. And uh, <laughs> I am trying to figure out uh, what to, what, what chapter to play, but I can, I can hold on on that to use as my, my noodle time. Cause I have a story about class that I want to share, but I will also hold on to my noodle time for that. <laughs> That's awesome. You were ranting though. I was. Yes. And now I hear my children. I'm sorry. I am the lone adult today. <laughs> during this podcast okay. recording. Kids happen. Um, no, it, it's um, with that idea of loneliness and like that we can be connected with so many people. It's great. But like, again, I, uh, outside of Bumble BFF, there's like no, apps for making friends <laughs> i don't like, even know what have... bumble bff is i mean I'm, i can probably figure it out i'm pretty i'm pretty sharp but yeah, yeah. i never heard of that well and i just learned about this like uh earlier in the last six months i think um if it, it you know like there's tinder and there's match.com and plenty of you know like there's all these dating apps like we will we have apps specifically so you can find a stranger to go have sex with but trying to find somebody to go have a coffee with and talk about the latest episode of a youtube series you really like or a tv show you're enjoying we see that as weird and i just i don't get that it's i mean i think that's why online forums are so popular is i mean obviously there's not the physical space you're not going to grab a coffee but you at least have a place to go where you know that there are other people to engage in conversation about a topic that you care about. And then you can be really selective about the topic that you care about it that day. But yeah, it, it is definitely a different experience of posting in a, an online forum than it is like sitting across from a human being. Well, and I wonder too, like if the rise in conventions in part is a reaction to how lonely and isolated people feel because it's this way to be around a bunch of people that you do have a shared culture with and you do have shared passions with, and you can really feel connected and not so alone. 
you know, because a lot of people are from like small towns where they're maybe the only person into anime and then they've got to try and find other people and going to this convention where there's thousands of people that are into it is great, but then you return and it stinks. It's kind of like geeky tailgating. Like the sports community is really good about community that they they do things like fantasy football and you know the super bowl is this huge event where you go over to people's houses it's almost like thanksgiving or christmas or or can be for people who celebrate it and then there's you know for people who have a sports team and they have who lives nearby like you go to a tailgating out in the parking lot during the game you can go to local bars because there's like these scheduled playtime events where it's okay for adults to go out and play and to be with one another but if sports aren't your thing then that becomes much more challenging. And so I, I do agree. I think the conventions and the rise in popularity of conventions has a lot to do with that. That said though, have you ever met a friend at a convention? Not somebody you knew previously who you met for the first time in person, but like met a stranger at a convention and then friended them because I don't think I ever have. Yes. Okay. Yes. Go. Lots of people. Pretty much all of the Pax Pals, actually, for me. Most of them for me. Really? Yeah. I had started working now. So, Kelly, you're an exception, obviously, because I've known you the longest out of Okay, everyone. I was confused. I'm like, wait, but I knew you guys before. <laughs> you and Tony, Dr. Anthony Bean, are the only people that I definitively knew. I had talked twice to Emery, <laughs> Dr. Daniel, and then I had never known Shane. I never knew anybody else. I never met Megan. I, nobody. Um, but if, I, if we're talking pure people that you met at a convention, notable addition to my uh, repertoire of convention people are um, Shauna and Aaron. <laughs> so, um, which uh, Shauna is on my upcoming panel at PAX East mm -hmm. here about um, female and non-binary experiences in gaming and geek spaces. So... That was a that was a really now given I met through friends, but it was it was pure meeting at a convention. Oh wow! And there's a lot of people that I've met air quotes on Twitter and have chatted with on Twitter, but then like we face to face connect for the first time at conventions and have yes. become yeah maybe not friends friends but definitely strong acquaintances. Um, and several of them I would consider friends now. Yeah, well I feel like we're cheating. Right? Because this is our industry, not just our, like, I go for fun and meet random people. I get what you're saying, too, of, like, who actually goes to meet random people out of thin air? Like, most of the people, oh, it's so nice to meet you, Dr. Dunlap. I've heard all about you. I've seen you on Twitter. Yeah. Like, that's not random meeting. I, tech. I got a... Kind of. I got a survey from Xbox to talk about like how I use my Xbox messaging and how like I use Xbox live. And a bunch of the questions were like, I go on Xbox live to meet new people. And I'm like, no X, absolutely not. I like to go on Xbox live to make new friends. Mm -mm, X, absolutely not. <laughs> like the idea that, I mean, and maybe, maybe it's cause I'm old. Maybe it's cause I'm a woman. I don't know. But like the idea of just logging onto Xbox live, jumping into a game, having party chat on and intentionally trying to like befriend fellow players seems like a ludicrous idea to me. Like when I'm playing online, it's because I'm playing with people I've already established as connections or as, as a group. 
Well, and, and maybe I'm going to show my age again with this, but like I remember when I played um, Diablo 2 online and finding people that I, I don't never knew them beyond their username, but we would enjoy, you know, doing parties together and going out and doing the different quests and things and adventuring together. And like it, graduate school got in the way of that game, possibly is the way to phrase that. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it, I see this all the time though of different posts. And again, it might just be self-selection on what I see on Reddit of people who are getting together with people that they've been gaming with on WoW for 10 years and that they've been friends for 10 years and they start started off as strangers who just happened to start playing together on WoW. I mean, that's a big part of, you know, back when I was running um, the Halo esports website that I did for like 10 years, you know, when we first started playing, it was, you know, I didn't know anybody. I didn't know anybody. I had people on my team and that's it. And there were like, you know, at one season we had 500 teams. So thousands of people who were playing this game. And to this day, I'm still friends with not 5,000 of them, but, you know, with a couple, like maybe a dozen or so. And so like those, those friendships endure um, and they never would have happened in just like a totally random space, but it's, it's almost like you need semi-random. So, you know, when you go to PAX and you know, one person, you know, you know, Sarah, and then Sarah introduces you to like three other people and all of a sudden your group expands. And so it's not totally planned, but it's also not totally random. I feel like that's to me, the, the best way to expand the friendship group and I think that's maybe where some of the loneliness stuff is coming in is that people are physically separated from their support groups, whether by geography or by, um, you know, if you work the night shift versus the day shift, like there's tons of research on like the detriments of working the night shift in terms of, you know, overall life quality and social connectivity and things like that. And if you don't have that person to like help introduce you, unless you're the extreme extrovert, which they do exist, but I am not one of them it's really hard um, to, to find those, again, those play spaces where adults can go and connect other than sports, sports, sports. And I love sports for sports. I'll just be very clear. I do love sports. <laughs> I just don't like bars. And if you don't like <laughs> bars, like where do you go as an adult? That's probably the most common refrain that I've heard, at least from my, you know, late 20 something, early something, early 30 something friends who didn't find their life partner mm -hmm. in, in college, like I was lucky to do. And they're like, well, if I don't want to go to a bar, how do I, how do I meet anyone? I'm like, I'm so sorry. I don't know. <laughs> I found my soulmate. Meetup. 10 years ago. Meetup.com. Yeah. Yeah. I was just recommending meetup to some people today of ways to expand their social circle and to find more people who are interested in things that they like. I think, mm -hmm. you know, and I think maybe that's the thing that this comes down to is like, we have to be intentional. Like we're not going to randomly run into your friends. Like you have to find the things that you enjoy doing, go out and do them and find other people who enjoy doing those things and then take the time to invest in those relationships, you know, and then to make a random podcast so that you can talk with those people more <laughs> <laughs> to continue to build those relationships. That's it. Well, and so in research for this, I think that's a good transition to mention the YouTube channel that I like to refer people to when I talk about loneliness. Um, the phrase nickname for it is in a nutshell, but hopefully our, our lovely editor, Amelia, will be proud of me and my pronunciation of this German word. It's Kurzgesagt. Um, and, and so it, you just look up on YouTube in a nutshell 
and you'll find it. Um, but they have a video specifically titled Loneliness, and it's about how we can we have a connection in the brain between um, loneliness and thankfulness. If we're grateful, um, we'll tend to connect with other people more, and we'll tend to be grateful to them, grateful for ourselves, feel happier, and be able to um, not feel so alone. So it's a curious, I, I appreciated the video on loneliness. It was, it was quite the turnaround than what I was expecting to see, but it's a fascinating video. Yeah. All their stuff is very good. And to that, I'm grateful mm -hmm. for you too. And for Rachel, for being part of the yeah. podcast and getting to chat with me and dealing with my bird chat for chattering in the background <laughs> and it's all the interruptions today. It's a nice ambiance, you know, yeah. it gives a mood. Well, let's, we'll go ahead and take a quick break and we'll come back and talk about our brain noodles of this week. Curious about the psychological effects of time travel? Want to join in on Harry Potter trivia? While watching stupid people play games, that wasn't very nice, but I'm saying it anyway. Come join Thumpence on Thursday at our Geeks Like Us Twitch stream from 9 to 11.30 EST at night. We'll have a good time. We want to hear what you have to say. Other fun things. Megan's looking at me like I'm doing a decent job. Enjoy brain noodles. And we're back. So uh, Kelly, you started off, you said you have a story you want to share for your noodle this week. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, every, every Wednesday I, I teach um, some graduate students and, you know, we're going through, you know, different mental health stuff right now. And last week I had them, um, we were focusing on anxiety in games. So we played Celeste in class and we talked about it. And I'd also had them, um, either play or check out Fractured Minds, which was um, made by, a, I think, a 17-year-old girl during the game jam about her own experience with anxiety. And I had played through it and I'm like, okay, this is, it does what it needs to do. It raises awareness. It kind of helps you feel connected to the feelings. And so I decided that we were going to play it in class just, just a little bit because one of my favorite things to do is to compare so like we compared Depression Quest to Night in the Woods, and then we were going to compare Fractured Minds to Celeste, you know, triple, you know, super indie titles versus more polished titles and more autobiographical versus more abstract. And what does that mean from the design perspective and what do the players get out of it? So as always, I give the content warning right up front, like, you know, you guys, you were supposed to look at it or read about it over the weekend, but just in case, like, here's all the things that you need to you know, be concerned about and if you need to get up and go, like, just make sure you take care of yourselves, but we're going to play like the first chapter of Fractured Minds. And I think I lost about half my class. <laughs> they got up and left. <laughs> Can you give a synopsis for those listening about what Fractured Minds is all about? Well, I mean, it's, it's about anxiety. And the, the chapter that they played, it starts with like a dark room and there's like a very loud heartbeat that's accelerating. And all of a sudden there's like this weird, scary face that kind of like, oh, in the background. And then it cuts to this girl's room, which is brightly lit and you're just looking for keys. Um, and that was it. That was, that was where we got to. And I lost, like I have nine students and I think like three or four of them were like, yeah, I was thinking like, oh my God, did I just traumatize my class? I don't, I don't think I did. I've played this game. I'm, I warned about the content, like they ostensibly read about it and looked it up online before they came to class. Crap. And so the, the thing that I'm noodling on this week is that, you know, that was, that was just fractured minds. This week we're playing Hellblade. <laughs> and so trying to figure out what, what part of that game to have them play through and to walk through, because I do think it's super, super important to see how that game portrays 
psychosis, not be, not for any kind of like jump scare or anything like that, but just the care that went into the game, the way that people shared their experiences and the game designers transformed that into the mechanics that drive the game. It, I think it's an invaluable lesson for students who want to design these kinds of experiences, but I'm also terrified of traumatizing them. <laughs> um, and so that's, that's what I'm noodling on is, okay, how do I, how do I walk this line when there's tons of informed consent? They, you know, have an article as a part of their assigned reading, which is like a case study on Hellblade. So the content's already in there. Like, how do I, you know, where is that line? You know, where's my duty as a professor? Cause I'm not, I'm not a clinician in that class. Like I'm not, I'm not their psychologist professor, you know, I'm a game design professor. And so there's this weird discrepancy in terms of like, what is my duty to them? And so I'm trying, trying to walk that line and cause I don't want to traumatize them. <laughs> I want good reviews. I feel like you're doing a good job though. I, I mean, so. what else could you do other than like in the moment, right before the scary thing happens, be like, oh, okay. And so now she's going to start hearing hallucinations, you know, turn the lights on in the haunted house. Otherwise the effect is lost. Like, yeah. Yeah. So it's, I don't know. I'll, I'll let you know how well, it you goes. could also see it. <laughs> you could also re let's do a reframe though. Like that could be a good thing, right? That, you gave them the opportunity to take care of themselves and they took it. Yes. Yes. I'm like, I told them I was very happy that they stepped out and that they took the time that they needed to take. And so that was good. I'm glad they did that. I also wish I hadn't made an experience where that was something that they felt they needed to do. Um, probably because I do not find fractured minds to be particularly upsetting. And as someone with an anxiety disorder, like, but of course, everybody's experience is going to be different. And, you know, I probably have more tools than most. Um, but yeah, I was, I think I was more than anything, I was surprised that they reacted so strongly to it, which again, yeah. speaks to the power of, of games as a transformative medium. So I'll let you know how, how this week's goes and how many students I lose. <laughs> All right. I have to ask, Sarah just got a ton of green flowers. <laughs> what is this? Okay, so a couple weeks ago, I mentioned that I was trying to work on soundproofing for recording. Oh, yes. And I told you I'd report back on how they're doing. And so I'm making over 100. I Okay, so I have to give you a visual. I started out by ordering one pack of 15 sheets of wool in a succulent color pattern from this wool company that after doing some research found that they're like local and they actually like, you know, get the wool sustainably and respectfully from the sheep. And then they make the fabric. So, I mean, I felt really good about shopping there and it was inexpensive. Um, so I got one pack and I found that one pack can make roughly five and a half flowers. So I returned to the website and ordered 18 more. And each sheet of felt is a little bit larger than a piece of paper because it's nine by 12. And so I ordered 18 packs of 15 sheets of felt each plus the original one. So I'm gonna have over a hundred succulents, but this is the, this is the fruits of my labor. So I'm, I have like an armful of probably 10 of them in front of they're me. They're adorable. And they're all different colors. This one's like my favorite. It's like money colors. Not that I like it for the money colors. I just like the colors that it is because it looks pretty. So they're all different. But You're going to have to take pictures of those too, and we'll put a link in the show notes or something. I will, but I'm swimming in succulents for now. <laughs> <laughs> so you're noodling on crafting. <laughs> well, 
I'm leaving for, as I had teased before, this is another one of my favorites. It's like lime green and then like a pretty spearmint green and then like a deep green in the middle. Um, I, I'm going to California tomorrow for 10 days with my family and it feels incredibly indulgent and I haven't taken an actual trip to relax and vacate and enjoy a trip for the sake of a trip and not a visit for medical reasons or family or whatever. Um, for probably three years, so very overdue and feeling burnt out and stressed. <laughs> so that's what I'm noodling on. Getting this done so I can leave and feel relaxed on my trip. <laughs> I, it's been way too long since I've done a vacation vacation. I get away at the cons, but that's work. I'm going to be do, going to Gary Con here next month, and that's, I'm going to be doing two talks and it's just, it's going to be wonderful, but it's also going to be busy. So mm -hmm. that sounds lovely. I want to live vicariously through you, Sarah. Um. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and okay. So I'll, I'll probably tweet pictures as I'm on the vacation itself, but here's my niece and nephew preparing for the trip oh. to Disney. Oh, <laughs> they're almost like Minnie and Ma Minnie and Mickey Mouse. Cute. So yes. cute. They, my parents got them <laughs> costumes and so they were practicing wearing them. And of course I had to make it my phone screensaver because they're stinking cute. That's adorable. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Oh my gosh. Yes. And then I come home for two days, three days of work. Well, three days at home, two days at work. And then I leave for PAX East. So it's going to be a whirlwind. Yeah, it's going to go fast. Yay, frequent flyer miles. <laughs> well, and the thing I've been noodling on, um, so we got a new game for Christmas. Okay, we got several games because we're a board game family, but it's called Dominion. It's a deck building game. And it has something like eight expansions and we just got our first expansion to it. And it is so much fun. And I just keep noodling on like, when can we sit down and play this game again? And when can we play it again? It's a really cool game. Um, you buy cards, but there are... Oh, 20 to 30 different types of cards within the game itself, but you randomly choose 10. And that's, those are the 10 that you build your deck from for the game. And so the game changes every single time you play it. And so the strategy is different depending on what, what you're doing and how you, you go about it. The win condition is always the same, but how you get there is different. And so I really love the replayability of it. And then the, all the expansions just make it that much more replayable and it's so much fun. So if you haven't played Dominion, go out and get it and play it. It's awesome. Cool. I'll add it to my list. I think that's all for us this week and Sounds we will be good. back soon with a more relaxed Sarah and <laughs> hopefully Rachel will be back. Her children are doing Canadian outdoor activities. <laughs> So she cannot be here on Tuesdays. Canadian outdoor activities. <laughs> I just imagine them like climbing trees and like jumping on bears. And, and, you know. It's about right, I think, yeah. right? National pastimes. Sure. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> anyway, the, take care, everybody. And as usual, if uh, one of our listeners wants to submit what their brain has been noodling on, please tweet at Geeks Like Us and let us know your own noodles. Brain Noodles is a production of Geeks Like Us. Your hosts for this podcast are doctors Megan Connell, Kelly Dunlap, Rachel Cowart, and Sarah Sawyer. Music for this podcast is The Life of Riley by Kevin McLeod. Audio edited, mixed, and mashed by Amelia Herbst. Follow Geeks Like Us on Twitter at G33KS, like us, that's at G33KS, L-I-K-E, 
with us. Until next time, keep noodling.